Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Yeah, Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon. Today on Health Suites, we look at anxiety disorders. It is one of the most common mental health conditions around the world, affecting women at nearly twice the rate it does men. Why are women more vulnerable to having anxiety attacks? And can early diagnosis alleviate the symptoms or make living with anxiety easier? I speak to Associate Professor Helen Chen, Head and Senior Consultant at the Department of Psychological Medicine, KK Women's and Children's Hospital, for some answers. Coming up now for you on Money FM 89.3. Health Suites with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Health Suites. I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon. On the phone, I'm joined by Associate Professor Helen Chen, Head and Senior Consultant at the Department of Psychological Medicine, KK Women's and Children's Hospital. Today we talk about anxiety, particularly in women. I think this is an incredibly timely conversation, given the fact that we've had so many conversations about mental health in this time of working from home. Associate Professor Chen, welcome to the show. Hi, Clarissa. Thank you for having me on your, your show. It is absolutely my pleasure. Now, anxiety disorders, in some ways, are very common and we hear a lot about it. But I, I, I don't know if the conversation around it and about it in, in the context of mental health is one that people normally have. Could you define anxiety disorder versus saying just general feeling anxious on a daily basis? That's a good question. Well, we consider something a disorder when it affects a person's functioning Mm -hmm. and she feels distressed by her symptoms. Mm. So you can see that the line between an anxious state or an anxiety disorder can be quite blurred. And certainly anxiety can take different forms like persistent anxiety with excessive worrying or panic attacks or anxiety related to performance or being around people. Okay, um, so, you know, we do feel a little moment of anxiousness almost on a daily basis. Yeah, especially now, right, in COVID? Especially now with COVID-19, with with the whole new, the concept of new normal with work from home. As an individual ourselves, how do we know it's not just that general anxiousness and how do we know that that maybe it's time to go see a doctor and and that it's more serious? I, I often tell patients that if you're feeling like under, if you're feeling like overwhelmed by your symptoms, you're not riding the wave, but you're actually sinking beneath how you're feeling and you're feeling distressed or you're finding that you can't function, you can't do the things that you want to do and, uh, you know, it's affecting your relationships, your your work. I think that's a time when you really need to think about getting help and not, not sit too long on it because, you know, especially in this time, it, things are difficult all around. Uh, perhaps getting help will help you function better and get you on top of things again. Is there any kind of a time frame we should be considering? More than a week, more than a month, something like that? I would say anything that goes on for a month or so, you know. Okay. Anything that's any less, perhaps it will pass. And, and I guess it's also the intensity. If it's really, really bad for a week, you know, go see your GP and get some um, check-in to see if, or you know, it's something that really needs urgent attention. So don't wait too long if you're feeling really awful. Okay. Now, it seems to be an anxiety disorder seems to be more prevalent amongst women. But again, because the lines blur and maybe self-diagnosis is a little bit tricky for the spouses, for the long-term partners, how does anxiety differ between men and women just so we can help the men see it in, in the women in their lives? Sometimes quite difficult because it could present with different symptoms for different people. Mm-hmm. We know that for women... Um, generalized anxiety tend 
to come together with depression. So their mood is often affected. And often there is a high family uh, history of depression. For women too, anxiety often brings about greater distress and disability in social and emotional functioning. So I guess if your wife is feeling very anxious, expressing a lot of fear, voicing these anxieties and having difficulty in functioning, her sleep is affected, definitely suggest that she gets help. Now, for women, if we're worried about our husbands, and, and it's going to affect everyone, right, this difficult time, sure. what we do know is that for men with anxiety, they tend to have a higher likelihood of comorbid alcohol and drug use disorders. So there's a propensity to turn towards outward sources of comfort or, or treatment, per se, you know. So I, I think being aware, if your husband's smoking a little bit more or drinking a little bit more, maybe he's anxious. So maybe a way to understand um, anxiety can help, you know, that uh, where it comes from, it often arises from feeling overwhelmed by unpredictable changes, which is why, you know, now uh, there is so much uh, so many of us who feel some level of tension and anxiety. Uh, we're speaking with Associate Professor Helen Chen, Head and Senior Consultant at the Department of Psychological Medicine, KK Women's and Children's Hospital. Okay, um, this is this is something that, that was sort of a, a surprise for me, that anxiety occurs in women at nearly twice the rate as it does in men, because I was always conditioned to believe that women were better at multitasking. <laughs> Uh, we are, we are, I still think so. And <laughs> we're better at dealing with our emotions, especially once we become parents. So why is it then that women seem to, to um, suffer from anxiety more than men do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a good question you've raised. Um, you know, I'm often asked this question too. Is it because of hormones? Is it because of brain chemistry? And I have to say that, you know, everything that happens can be explained by brain chemistry. Right. We are, after all, thinking beings, and the brain is the seat of all emotion. Mm. The fact is that brain chemistry is determined by many factors in turn, of which hormonal fluctuations are just one. The other factors include social norms and psychological responses, which often have their beginnings as early as in the womb or cradle. So we begin in that time. We tend to internalize as women and manifest anxiety internally whilst men externalize and express anger outwards. Um, if you think of it de developmentally, um, ever more so in Asian societies, negative emotions are frowned upon. We are told not to cry nor express anger. You've heard this, right? How can you be rude to your elders? Right, absolutely. I say that to my daughters too. <laughs> this leads to suppression of emotion and the anger is internalized and this can manifest as anxiety. So women are, are more prone to be anxious because we tend to dwell and ruminate on things uh, within in our minds. And it helps us, it, it's good, it helps us prevent future bad events and keeps us aware of warning signs. But it also means that when we do it too much, we worry and it becomes overwhelming. It causes distress and a sense of loss of control. Comparatively for men, um, they use distraction as a coping strategy more than women. So they turn to alcohol or else they respond in anger. Because you see, anger is easier to deal with than fear and anger makes us feel strong. While fear and anxiety makes us feel weak and inadequate. And That's that actually it. sounds a little bit like the social conditioning you're referring to. Yes, indeed. But that said, you know, after all, hormonal changes do also contribute to, to the manifestation of anxiety, which is exactly why, as women, we tend to have a little bit more 
anxiety symptoms in the premenstrual period Mm -hmm. because of the hormonal changes and also in the postpartum period on top of all the other factors about becoming a mother being very stressful, of course. And the other time point that we're vulnerable to anxiety disorders is the perimenopausal period when our hormones are changing. So we can blame it on uh, brain chemistry and hormones. Yes, we can. (laughs) To to some extent, anyway. (laughs) And we should wear it proudly because it's because we have these hormonal changes that we can bear children for the next generation. Absolutely. Uh Ah, there's a plus. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Okay, now, anxiety is something that I think a lot of people have a problem with the the word disorder. So even just saying, I'm feeling anxious is one thing. Having an anxiety disorder is is something else altogether. Am am I right to to say that? Yeah, yeah. So you're you're absolutely right. I guess um, perhaps clinicians aren't the best at naming, you know, it's fine in clinical circles and in professional circles. So when I see patients, I often use the word state or condition. Mm -hmm. You know, I I try not to call it disorder because it sounds quite abrasive, in that sense, abrasive, isn't it? And and a little bit undermining for the person who's trying to get on top of things. Sure. Yeah. How much time do you think uh, lapses from the early signs that manifest themselves into what you would diagnose as anxiety disorder? I ask this because... My follow-up to that will be, if we get it before it's really a disorder, is it easier to fix? Um, yes, the second question is easy to answer. Absolutely, <laughs> if you catch it early, of course. Um, the only thing, of course, there is no fixed time, you know. It's not like an incubation for an infection. Right. We, we all know about incubation period now, right? I bet you, you know the facts about COVID. Absolutely. Um, you see, whether a full-blown disorder will evolve really depends on what the circumstances are or the stresses the person is facing mm-hmm. and how their coping style is as well as what's around them, what kind of support they can get uh, and the factors that may add on to their stress. So it's something quite dynamic. I don't think it's one size fits all. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't quite go like so. But definitely if you know that you're, you're you know, feeling anxiety and it's mounting and it's starting to affect your functioning, I think getting help um, would, would be timely, would be good. All right. We're speaking with Associate Professor Helen Chen, Head and Senior Consultant at the Department of Psychological Medicine, KK Women's and Children's Hospital. I'm wondering if it is something that is so common, which to a large extent is due to brain chemistry and hormones and hormonal imbalances, if there there is already in place some kind of screening for our young ladies, our teenagers, or is that something that we're looking at doing in the long term? We don't have universal screening because... Okay. That's quite hard. Um, and definitely when we want plan greening programs for mental health conditions, it should always be in sync with availability and accessibility right. of help or care. Okay. But that's it. I think we've got a good system in place in Singapore. You see, locally, we have actually quite good awareness of the importance of mental health needs in our youth. With the presence of school counsellors uh, in every school, every mainstream school, uh, and the REACH, have you heard of the Response Early Intervention and Assessment in Community Mental Health Program? I have, but I don't know very much about it. it. It's a lovely program that sits kind of like straddling between the schools and the hospital psychiatric services. Kind of provides support to the school counsellors and therapy for kids in the schools. Mm. And also um, as a system of getting them into the hospitals, a bridge to bring in the ones that really need help uh, to come into the tertiary psychiatric services. So I think that's a lot of good awareness. Anxiety, just like depression, is well recognised so that kids you know, in school can get help if they need. So although there is no active screening per se, I think with the increased awareness in the community uh, from all the ongoing outreach and training, I think our kids 
are probably getting the timely assistance for untreated anxiety, which we really worry about um, uh, possibly affecting children's ability to learn. You know, the, the concentration can be affected. Yes. The confidence to try that very tough question can really be affected with, with anxiety. And all this can affect the child's ability to reach her full potential. Now, when we come to women, um, we don't, at KK, we don't actively screen for anxiety in postnatal women. But the tool that we use for active postnatal depression screening, it's called the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. It has an anxiety subskill incorporated. So we are actually simultaneously screening for anxiety. We've also collaborated with early intervention programs that target vulnerable families, uh, such as KidStart, which runs, which is under ACTA, and Kids Zero to Three. Um, these are just programs. Um, you, you may not be familiar with them. I, do, I think perhaps you could invite the people to come talk about it. But they screen for maternal anxiety yes. because we know that it impacts hugely on child development and that's why you know these community programs really do a lot to buffer the needs of the the families the children in the community all right now one of the things that i was wondering before i let you go if an anxiety condition is untreated remains so does it does it become depression does it lead to suicidal thoughts well um I like psychiatry because it's a no-brainer. So mm. actually, the answer, the, the simple answer is it could over time. Right. So how it happens is if you're persistently anxious, you get really distressed because it's affecting your functioning, right? And you can, it can lead to avoidance of triggers um, that are anxiety-provoking. Mm-hmm. Now, if over time, just imagine it starts off with some anxiety. You don't step forward to handle crucial projects because it entails meeting people or doing presentations. So you get passed over for opportunities. And then Which in time... In, in and that creates more anxiety. Yes, and then it just goes in a vicious cycle and it can wear you down, your spirit down, leading to depression. So I don't mean to say that all of it will, so it shouldn't be alarming, not like that, because I think that most people actually get help before they get to that point. In Singapore, we are, we're very fortunate. The healthcare system is quite good. And I think that's why it's really great, you know, like you're doing a public segment right now to address, to, to bring awareness to this. And I think it's possible for us to address anxiety in a timely and prompt manner. All right. And on that note, shall we just say, if you are feeling anxious, don't allow the stigma of the title prevent you from seeking assistance if you need it. That's right. I agree completely. All right. We've been speaking to Associates Professor Helen Chen, Head and Senior Consultant at the Department of Psychological Medicine, KK Women's and Children's Hospital. Professor Chen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation, actually. I enjoyed it myself, too. Thank you for having me on your show, Clarissa. I'm Clarissa Montero for Health Suites. This is Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.